Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. I'm Rachel Steen with the Balance Point Equestrian Learning Center, and we're now located in Monroe, North Carolina, and I'm happy to be here talking to you about uh, training young horses. We talked about before just a general things to think about when you're working with your youngster and specifically when you start training them to work under saddle or to drive, to pull a cart. The things that you really want to be aware of is how your horse looks at new and uh, new things things in their environment. Most of our initial training is, you know, we've worked on how to get them to ask us to participate. So like a default detention behavior. And I like to use having them stand beside me so that their shoulder is next to my hip facing the same direction that I am facing. And that attention, default attention behavior is a great way to just make sure that the the horse knows if they want attention, this is how they get our attention. They don't have to nudge us. They don't have to pick up things and make a scene. You know, they, youngsters do like to pick up things and run around with them. So uh, just be aware that your clothing, if you take your jacket off, that might not survive around a youngster. So you want to make sure that when they see something new or ask to do something new, that their first reaction is going to be, okay, that's interesting. How do I do that? If their reaction instead to new things is, oh, I don't know, then you need to go back to working on your basics of, you know, that's one reason why we do a lot of targeting, touch target, touch a handheld target, touch a target in a cone, being able to put the cone and the target in different places and and reinforce them in a different place so that we get some movement, we can capture movement, and we can get them doing turns, and we can get them doing platforms. All of these things, we, we build the little tiny components that we need so that we can put together more complex behaviors, you know, again, for when we are going to be getting them ready to ride or drive. But the most important thing is how they feel about learning new things, how they feel about working with humans and specifically us. Um, and if there are problems, uh, if they show signs of undue stress or being introduced to new things or new people, then that becomes far more important than a skill set of turning or stopping or going. And again, I, I just had a, a lesson this morning with someone. I do I do online lessons where they set the camera up and I'm able to help talk them through. So it's, it's as if I'm there. I just don't have hands. <laughs> but um, they're, they have a young horse, a three-year-old, and the owner is of course anxious to get the horse going under saddle but the horse is not comfortable with new things in general so new people new to clicker training have a tendency to 
ask for too much and have a tendency to frustrate the horses because they are still learning too. And so, you know, you may present them uh, like with a mat and you're like, I don't know why they're not standing on this mat. They just keep pawing. Well, it may be that you were waiting until they had two feet on the mat and you weren't reinforcing for their try. And that is one of the big things when we start working with horses, whether they're young or old, is they really need to reinforce every try so that we can get them excited about trying things instead of just waiting and hoping that the scary thing goes away. Does that make sense to you, Genevieve? Yeah, that completely makes sense. And that actually reminds me too of somebody that Chloe and I just spoke with who was kind of interested in us talking on the podcast about she's had like a situation where she, I think, was sort of running into what you said with the sort of frustration asking for too much, where she was working with her young horse with positive reinforcement and then kind of seeing a lot of frustration behaviors. And then she kind of went back and started doing negative reinforcement Ah. and really see those frustration behaviors. (laughs) And then she was like, oh, this is a little strange that, you know, we're seeing these frustration behaviors with the positive reinforcement and not seeing it so much with negative reinforcement. And I think that kind of relates to what you were saying about maybe like going too fast, asking for too much maybe not having the knowledge to communicate as clearly if like, you know, you're a crossover person. So I think that that really makes sense with really needing to take things slow. Otherwise you might run into those frustration behaviors. To just speak a moment about why you would see frustration behaviors with positive reinforcement. And then if they were went back and did negative reinforcement and they didn't see it, just be aware that with negative reinforcement, the learners, the animals, the horses are more wary and horses, their first reaction to being afraid is going to be to try to shut down their external signs. Uh, So, you know, in other words, if they're in pain, they don't want to show that they're in pain because you know, predators would see that and they would pick them out. And the same thing is true if they are in undue stress. So with negative reinforcement, when we do switch to positive reinforcement, it does take a while to really get to see the horses start to express themselves. And with negative reinforcement, we're basically telling them, you know, deal with this or else. And they do, and they, they, they try to hold things together as long as possible until they explode. And that is why they do tend to be very, they, they work with us very well until they finally do explode when they can't hold it together any longer. With positive reinforcement, our goal is to get an idea of what is bothering them when things are still small, so we can make those adjustments and we can help them stay under threshold. And the more that we're able to succeed at finding out what's bothering them and addressing it, the more that they are going to show us like, oh, you know, how about this? I I need help with this. And um, that's one of the really cool things about positive reinforcement is that we do get more information of using all the little subtle signs. We, we basically get our horses to have a kind of a base state 
where they are open and accepting, but they're also quick to communicate to us when something is wrong. And, you know, that's, that's how we want to start adding new, more complex behaviors. We want that, that uh, base state to be calm and, and confident. But with negative reinforcement, we're saying these things are going to happen. You're going to deal with it. And if you don't deal with it, then things are going to get worse. That, of course, adds to their stress. I always think, I try to get people to look at it like if you had a boss who was, you know, always kind of saying, do this or else, you would kind of shut down a bit when they walk by. You would, you would be very, you would, you wouldn't want to gain, attract their attention because it's never pleasant to have an or else versus if you had a boss who was like, Hey, guess what? There's this really cool thing. And um, if you do this and then we can go have like this other cool thing happen and then you'd be like, oh, I want to see this person. I'm looking forward to this person coming. And that's how we want to be. We want to be someone that our animals or horses look forward to seeing, but also we want to make sure that their base state, they have enough enrichment in their environment that we are not their only source of joy. You know, they need to have rich social lives and things to do so that we are an added bonus and we're not just like the only thing they have that's not horrible in their life. Yeah, that makes sense. So I guess like the horse might look like they're less stressed with negative reinforcement, but really they're just not expressing that because it's not really, they're not really given an opportunity to be able to express that. Right. And that's something that when people do switch to positive reinforcement, they can get frustrated. Humans can get frustrated by the fact that they're like, well, you know, my horse never had a problem with this before, but now I'm seeing signs that maybe they like if they try to work with them at liberty and they just walk away or something like that. And, and just realize that the horses for them to be able to tell us how they feel about something is a very special thing. It takes time. It takes us listening to all the little things and helping the horse out instead of feeling like every time that the horse says that there is something that's bothering them that we say, shut up, don't put your ears back or all the things that you see a lot in traditional or natural horsemanship training. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's a really insightful perspective. I guess what tips would you have maybe for somebody who is experiencing that, I guess, going back to the basics and making sure that the horse is having a positive experience with the training and that they start to see the environment as something positive to interact with, I would assume that would be helpful, but what kind of more specific tips would you have? Well, so one thing, again, for people who are coming from traditional training background, crossover trainers, as you call them, they're going to be more likely to ask for too much at once. They're also going to have a lot of people are reluctant to use protective contact. And that actually is a great way for our horses to learn that um, nothing bad's going to happen to them if they don't find the right answer if they don't find the answer that we're paying for if we don't find the answer if they don't find the answer that we are trying to you know elicit that ha- being in protected contact they're able to feel like they have the ability to leave us 
and hopefully we'll, we have them in an area that no big deal if they walk away. And in protected contact, they don't have to worry about the human getting too much in their face. Humans have a tendency to really like getting in the horse's space and reacting to things that can then upset the horse. So starting in protected contact, it allows the human to not worry about what the horse's head is doing. You're behind a wall, you're behind a gate. You don't have to worry about your body. So you don't have to react if the horse's head gets close to you. If the horse brings their head over the gate or the fence, you just step back and then they put their head back and you can throw them a pellet so they can get back to work. Protective contact's a great way to help your horse know that whatever they say is okay. Whatever they are feeling is okay. Especially important to work with young horses in protective contact because their frustration, like they could have the slightest little bit of frustration, like, I don't know what you're asking, and then have a temper tantrum because that's what babies do. They don't know how to deal with their emotions. So again, protective contact is a great way to start. And from there, you can start um, asking them to go touch a target and come back. You can start working on turns on the haunches. You can even put a platform behind the in the protected contact and have them do some platform work. I mean, there's so many things that you can do and it's a great way to help the horse know that they are responsible for what they're doing. So in in dressage training, in classical dressage, there's the idea of self-carriage. And in classical dressage, uh, unlike competitive dressage, the goal is to not hold the horse together so that they learn how to use their core and support themselves. Well, in training young horses, and especially in positive reinforcement, we want to allow the horse to have that same sort of freedom to do what they feel like they need to do and then to be able to have them realize that they can do what they need to do, come back to us, work with us when they feel good. We will reinforce them when they are doing something that either they're participating, they're trying to figure out the answer, or they, they have accomplished the, the simple tasks that we've asked of them. So I, I look at the two between the physical self-carriage of the horse using the core and allowing the horse the freedom of movement to accomplish you know, this for themselves, as well as in the mental training, having them have the freedom to decide if they're with us or not. And if the horse decides that they're not able to work with us at this time, then it's no big deal. It, it shouldn't be a big deal. We have plenty of other things to do. And you can even just walk away, go do some chores, come back and, and ask again. And very quickly, they will begin to petition for more work. That's a pretty cool thing. It's also a really cool thing when you have a young horse that new things they look at as an opportunity to gain reinforcers. So we once had at my old facility, a uh, pavilion cover fly up and into the arena and it was on its back. And a young horse that I was working with their first reaction when seeing this was to go over and touch it and then look over and like 
can I get a hay pellet for that? I was like, yeah, sure. Um, and so that that's the kind of special confidence and bond that you can get by working with positive reinforcement, putting them under threshold, is that, uh, you know, working so that we address the little stresses as they're happening and we be sure to give them time when they need a timeout. Um, so we keep our sessions and our exercises really short. When they start petitioning us to work more, then we can start slowly increasing the time that we work with them, the time of our sessions. But it's also going to be part of our equations all the time that we give them a little jackpot and we ask them to take a break because the human needs a break too. That's what you'll find with the horses as they get going, especially after like about a year of positive reinforcement work, you can get to a point where your horse is like, please, please, I want to do more. And um, it's amazing. You're just using, you know, alfalfa pellets or Timothy pellets or Teff grass pellets, you know, things that if you just threw it out there, they'd probably just walk away. But the fact of you handing it to them and they are like getting interaction and they're actually able to get you to do things. They have power over what they're doing, over things that are happening in their environment. And it's very reinforcing for them. They love it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that is a really cool thing about positive reinforcement, kind of like contra freeloading, where they actually want the food that you're giving them, even if they have other food available. It's like the idea of kind of working through a puzzle and getting to do something fun to get it is really reinforcing to them, which is really cool to see. And then when you were also talking about horses having, young horses specifically, having really strong emotions, that made me think of like all those videos online where people are starting their horses and the horse is like going crazy and bucking and rearing and all those things. And obviously like that's not what we want and we don't see that a lot in positive reinforcement training, thankfully, unless something, you know, accidentally goes terribly wrong, which could happen, but it's definitely not the norm in positive reinforcement, whereas it seems to unfortunately be a little bit more of the norm. I guess like, why do you think that's the case? I think what you bring up is a very important point. And I will say that even if you are mixing, there is absolutely zero reason for a horse being started under saddle to buck, rear, bolt, any of those things. When you see that happening, you have, obviously, you're seeing someone who is not paying attention to the horse's comfort level. They're not paying attention to being able to give the horse little pieces of you know, step-by-step -step instruction on how to deal with things that they're just throwing everything at the horse at once. They expect the horse to, they expect the horse to overreact, to do something which will cause themselves pain. And then they think that that then is going to train the horses to not do that again. So again, there is absolutely no reason to have a horse that you are starting under saddle, rare buck, bite, bolt, any of those things. All you have to do to have a horse work calmly and confidently for you is to take the time to give them little 
small pieces at a time to make sure that each step of the way they understand that they are safe, that you are listening to them, and that what you're asking them to do is easy and that you're going to help them accomplish it. So again, I don't care if you are still using some negative reinforcement. There is no excuse for putting a horse over thresholds when you're especially when you're starting them. Now, I will say that having trained horses for a few decades and I did during that time while I started out positive, you know, as mostly positive reinforcement. I then did some mixing for most of my training career. And uh, and then for the last seven years, I've done straight positive reinforcement force-free. You know, the, the big things to remember is that your horse, if you let them go over threshold when you are teaching them new things, then they are going to associate that with it being incredibly scary and awful. I've seen many horses that the owners took them, they, they asked for too much. For instance, like there was this one person whose horse had been started and they took the horse out to ride in a field with other horses. The other horses got excited. The horse started getting excited too, started trotting. The person had not gotten the horse used to trotting with a human on their back yet. The horse got scared because of the movement of the human in the trot and the feel of the human in the trot. And then the horse started bucking and the person came off and then the person coming off scared the horse. And so then that horse had extreme trauma that then the owner brought the horse to me and I had to spend months trying to calm her back down and convince the horse that a human getting on her did not equate an incredibly scary experience, which meant that I had to, I had to work much harder to overcome that, that experience. The things that happen the first time that an individual encounter something the brain says that is how things are going to go when you see those things again so if the first time that a human gets on board a horse they've not prepared the horse and the horse is scared and then if the horse whether the horse manages to buck the human off or not the next time the horse is in that same situation they're going to be scared again so this is why it is so important to be a good splitter, to split up things into tiny little pieces that do not overwhelm our horse, that uh, we also are must remember that for every new thing that we introduce, we need to go back and have them reconfirm the things that are easy for them so they build up their confidence again. So they're like, yes. I can do this. I can do this. But every time that we put them over threshold by not preparing them, we are making it so much harder for everyone. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that also reminds me of a lot of research that's been coming out about how horses just like physically cannot learn as well when they are over threshold and experiencing that stress. Like I just pulled up one of the studies. It's called The Effect of Stress and Exercise on the Learning Performance of Horses by Catherine Henshaw et al. And it's from 2022. And basically 
they concluded that the higher the cortisol con concentration for that horse, the more trials it took that horse to reach the criterion. So also definitely in terms of effectiveness, not only is it going to be unethical by making the horse be stressed and feel bad about that situation, but they're also just not going to be able to learn what you're trying to teach them, which I think can also reach maybe some of the people who unfortunately don't care so much about, you know, the horse's experience and they just want results, but they're not even really going to get the results they want since the horse can't learn properly. Well, if you think about if anyone's ever encountered testing anxiety, where you have so much anxiety about taking a test that you can't actually remember the answers, this is the same biochemical reaction. This is the same thing that's going on in your body as it's going on in a stressed horse or a stressed animal, is that you know your body is then set up for fight or flight. It's not set up for learning new things or even recalling things that you've learned before. Yes, that's why I'm anti-pop quiz. Just let people prepare and feel not that, you know, terrible panic because I don't know in school, I'd always feel so panicked and not do as well. And, you know, it's very important to set the learner up for success. And it's true. Most of our current education system is still very much based on punishment and negative reinforcement instead of instead of positive reinforcement. So the more often that we can treat other people and human learners with positive reinforcement, then the more likely they are to be able to use it, their animals. So it's all connected. Yes, for sure. I work in test prep tutoring right now, and it's definitely, I see a lot of stress in the kids and a lot of experiences where they feel like they've just been, I guess, like forced and put in situations that make them feel really anxious without a lot of support. So kind of trying to do that work with humans and horses and just with everybody. So definitely very important to do that. Well, the biggest thing to remember when you're working with horses and, and starting them is that it is not necessary to try to get everything done in a day. It is not useful to try to get everything done in a day. There is absolutely no point in trying to get on and ride a horse around, walk, trot, and canter the first time you get on. The thing that will keep you and your horse working together happily is small, short sessions. Every day, you know, you can go out, spend a few minutes with them, just think, okay, I want to accomplish this one thing, see how it goes. If they are not able to concentrate, then you go back to more simple things and you work on just the fact that you want learning to be fun. You want them to look forward to it. And if they're not having fun, you go back to things that are simple. You'll find that if you take this route, that training isn't a big deal. It's not like there's nothing to be afraid of for both you or your horse. Every step that you make every forward step is just a tiny little piece and all adds up to a beautiful picture of horse and human working together and anything that you don't know how to do your horse will be like okay well uh how about if i do this and then you're like okay that's cool it's just you know there's a communication that goes on that's beautiful and it's missing in the traditional training and natural horsemanship training because in those environments the horse is being dictated to you do this or else 
but with positive reinforcement, we want the horse to be a active and willing participant. We want them to be able to say no at any step of the way with no negative repercussions. There's always going to be food available to them. If they don't feel up to doing something, we can either go back to something easy or we can just go have them be put up and give them a little jackpot. Thank you for playing. See you tomorrow. The better you get at letting go of have tos, you know, saying I have to get this done today, then the more progress you'll make, the smoother progress you'll make and the happier you and your horse will be. Yeah, that's a really important point. And that reminds me too of, I was talking with somebody on Twitter who was telling me that they felt like they enjoyed going on trail rides and the horse enjoyed going on trail rides, but they felt like they needed to do this arena work because they were paying money to lease the horse. And they were like, well, it's just a waste of money and I'm not doing anything and I need to be in the arena accomplishing all this stuff. And I just was thinking about it. And I told them like, are you trying to be a professional rider? And they were like, no. And I was like, well, then why are you there? And they were like, well, I enjoy it. I like being around the horse and just kind of having fun and doing whatever. I'm like, okay, well then go on the trail rides. I mean, there's not really a reason to force you or the horse to do something that you don't want to do, especially when the end goal here is just to have fun and to spend time with the horse. I mean, there's, I think a lot of people just feel that pressure of like, oh, I really need to be making this progress. And that's, you know, a lot of probably learning history on the humans part from trainers who are kind of training the humans also with punishment and kind of setting those expectations that they need to be accomplishing all this stuff. Otherwise they're going to be in trouble. So I think that's, you know, a very good point to just really focus on what is working for you and the horse and take things slow and don't feel like you have to accomplish all sorts of crazy things in a short time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Click, Treat, Repeat. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at Click, Treat, Repeat Pod. You can find Jen at Genuine Equine and myself at Bonafide.bt. We upload new episodes every Monday and hope to see you then. Happy training!